to John 17. Last week, we, Jesus said, he prayed to the Father. He said, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given to me, so that they may be one. That was Jesus' first request to the Father for his disciples. He prayed for our unity, that there would be unity in this church. We, said, we saw that this unity among believers, it had a common source. The Father's power is the source of that unity. They had a common reflection. It was supposed to reflect the oneness between the Father and the Son. And this unity has a common witness. It is witness to the world that Jesus is who he is. You see, in this prayer, you can't help but to see the heart of Jesus for his people, for you, for each of you who know him, that he's a high priest to the end. And he still is our high priest. We know he's not in the grave, right? He sent him in, it's right beside the Father in heaven, even as I speak. But now, Jesus is not done yet. He's not done with this prayer. He, he still offers up more requests to the Father on our behalf. And this morning, we're going to see him pray for our identity. Our identity as believers. Who we are in Jesus, what we have in Jesus. So open your Bible to John 17, beginning in verse 13. This is God's word, not mine. Small print Bibles. Okay. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Please pray with me. Father, as we come to your truth, to your word, we need your spirit. The Holy Spirit, the helper, the counselor to come, to take what is preached and apply it to the hearts of the pastor, the hearts of the people, so that we, Lord, can know you more, so that we can see more of you, not less of you. We need the Spirit to apply the truth to every area of our life. You know what we need this morning. You know what we need to hear this morning. And so, Spirit, do what I can't do. Change hearts. Change hearts. Christ in my prayer. Amen. I said last week that all believers are in union with Jesus, in fellowship with Him. And, every, and that means everything about a believer has changed because of that. And and when you're in union with Christ, Christ begins to rub off on you. Not the other way around. You don't rub off on Jesus. He rubs off on you, on every area of your life. And that includes rubbing off on your identity, on who you are, on who you think you are. You see these words here in, in verses 13 through 16. as Jesus actually wanting you to experience 
what this union means in a real tangible way. What it means to be in union with Jesus. To have your identity wrapped up in Him. First, it means you will have a full measure of His joy. A full measure of His joy. Jesus says, but now coming to you, to the Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. We see Jesus once again telling the Father, I'm coming to you, Father. I'm departing this world. I'm coming home to heaven. And he did when he ascended into the heavens after the resurrection. But we also know that the disciples didn't go with him. This time, they remained. And we still remain physically apart from Jesus. And as a result of him leaving, he says these things to in the world which is the same thing as saying, I'm praying in their presence. Because his disciples were there when he prayed his prayer. Listening to him. I'm praying these things in their presence. Why? Because Jesus knows that his people are going to struggle with sorrow. He knows that his people are going to struggle with fear and anxiety in this life. One Christian says, here Jesus shows the reason why he was earnest in praying for his disciples. It was not that because he was anxious about their future, but rather to provide a remedy for their anxiety. To remove for them all doubt. To calm their minds. The remedy for your sorrow, your fear, your anxiety has been filled with this joy that Jesus is talking about. He prays these things in their hearing for the purpose, for one purpose, so that his joy may be fulfilled in him. Now, I don't see fulfillment here as a sense of perfection, because we know we're not going to have perfection until glory, but a sense of a full measure of it, so that it will be produced in you, given to you through his spirit. Because Jesus didn't say, Father, I pray that they will produce the joy in themselves by themselves. No. He's asking the Father to produce it in them. A full measure of it in our heart and our soul. You are a passive recipient of this joy. Just like you are a passive recipient of salvation. It's been given to you as a gift. We receive this joy. We can experience this joy. And notice that Jesus says that it's his joy. Not yours. My joy, joy is connected to Jesus. He's the object of it. The object of your joy. What did John the Baptist say in John 3 when he saw Jesus? Listen to what John the Baptist says. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is not complete. Do you understand what John the Baptist is saying there? He's talking about Jesus. He's the the bridegroom. And now at seeing him, having him arriving on the scene, John is saying, my joy is not complete because I have seen the groom, Jesus. He is the object of the believer's joy. And you can experience this. Here's what I mean. 
Christian joy is a joyous state that cannot be lost no matter what befalls you in this life. Is you being able to say that it's well with my soul no matter what happens? Are you experiencing that kind of joy in your Christian life? Are you? I'm not talking about circumstantial joy that we all sometimes have. When circumstances are good, then I'm good. When circumstances are bad, I'm bad. I'm like this. And what happens with circumstantial joy? It doesn't last. It fades away. Christian joy is not dependent upon circumstances, but it's in Jesus Christ. It's who He is. It's His joy that He gives us through His Spirit. Your identity is in Christ. And being filled with His joy basically means you are being filled with more of Jesus and not less of Jesus. Another Christian says, Christ's great joy was that He knew the Father cared for Him. Think about that. Jesus' great joy was that He knew the Father cared for Him. He knew it. And that is the joy He shares with you. Do you know that the Father cares for you? Or is that just circumstantial too? When you do well, the Father cares for you. Then when you don't do well, He doesn't care for you. Which is it? Do you know the Father loves you despite of you? One of the songs that we sing here says, You have seen the depth of my heart, and yet you love me the same. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I mean, honestly, you can say it here. I'm talking about in the struggle, in the darkest hour, in those dark moments. Do you believe it? That he's seen the depth of your heart, and yet he loves you the same. If you have a circumstantial joy, then you know you don't believe that. You see, it's joy in the midst of the trial, the hardship, the suffering. It's not living in denial of the pain, but it's holding a firm grip on the hope that Jesus will see you through. Joy is not denying it, but it's holding firm that Jesus is going to see you through, that He is still here. That he is still with me. He's holding firm to the promises of the Father to you in his word that he will shepherd you through the highs and lows of life. It's a peace. A peace. That knowing that though your life is not what you want it to be, you are not destroyed. It will not destroy you. Because your life is in the hands of a good Savior hands of a good Savior, a wonderful Savior. Thank you, Jesus. That's what we all should be saying right now. Thank you. The psalmist says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Those words are a reminder that there are times in your life when you're going to need Jesus' joy to be restored in you. Why? Because each of us are prone to wonder. 
prone to wander from the Savior that we say we love. We're prone to wander to other objects of joy. Right? Where do you, where do you run when life gets hard? What do you run to? That's your joy. What do you do when, when your life gets frustrated? When jobs gets hard, when the marriage gets hard, when the kids won't listen to you. Where do you go? What is it? We all have it. See, we're all like little kids. And one thing we know about little kids, that whenever they see a toy on TV, they got to have it. I mean, their whole world depends upon getting this one toy. Whole life depends on it. Mom, I got to have this. I mean, if you get this for me, I mean, hey, whatever you say, I'm going to do you just got to get me this one toy. My life depends on it. So you get them the toy. And for a few weeks, it's the best toy ever. But three weeks later, they can't find it. It's gone. And not only that, there's another toy that they've seen they got to have that their life now depends upon. And that's what all the other objects of joy are like. They don't last. You're going to hop to another one. You're going to lose one, and you're going to find another one. You're going to lose that one, and you got to find another one. Because they can't do what only Jesus can do. And be your Savior. They can't do it. What's your Savior? What is it? It's an endless cycle. Moving from one toy to the next. A pastor friend of mine says, all the other joy, things we find joy in have an expiration date on them. They do. It's going to run out. It's going to run out. And if you're stuck in this cycle this morning... Then what do you need to do? Ask the Lord to restore to you the joy of His salvation. Repent. And ask Him to restore it. Because you can't do it yourself. Your identity is in Jesus. And that first means you've been filled with His joy. Secondly, it means you are no longer of this world. No longer of this world world. Verse 14 says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. I ask, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Chris Dawson brought me a, a Christian rap CD um, back from this conference, Man Up conference, and it's been good. I'm not much into Christian rap, but this is a pretty good CD. And I've been listening to this one song by Trip Lee called Robot. And in this song, he says, I'm not your robot. I'm not a clone. You're not my puppeteer. I'm not a drone. I got a new master, and I follow him alone. I want a good life till I'm gone. See, the point of that little rhyme there is that he's no longer being controlled by the world. By, the, by his flesh, by the evil one. The, those things are no longer his puppeteer because he has a new master, which is Jesus Christ. And this is true for each of us who have saving faith in Jesus. He says here that I have given them your word. When he says that, that also implies they have received the word in saving faith. That points us back to verse 8. In verse 8, Jesus says, I have given them your words that you have given me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. 
and they have believed that you sent me. So they have received it and said in faith. And when you've done that, Jesus becomes the master that you follow. And you are no longer of this world. The world is no longer your puppeteer. You have a new master, new marching orders. And because of that, the world not hates you. In John 15, Jesus says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me first. It hated me first. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember what I said. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they would persecute you as well. That's exciting. Encouraging. Jesus. So don't expect the world to rejoice because you're a believer. Don't expect the world to, to get excited because you found this newfound faith and joy in him. Expect resentment. Expect to be hated upon. Expect hard times. The questions for us as, Christ, as Christians living in America is this. Is do we believe this? Do we, li- do we live like we're of the world? Do you? Your life, my life. Do I have an adulterous love affair with my life in this world? Is it just too good for me? Like, I just like it. I mean, it it gets no better than just life. And for a lot of Christians, yeah, they love it here, man. It's the best time ever. Like Phineas and Ferb, it's the best summer ever. (laughs) That's it. We love it here. We We can't picture a place anywhere else but here. We don't ever think about heaven. We don't ever think about eternity. Because this is where it's at. And Jesus says, that's you being, that's you of the world. Of the world. As a believer, you have been distinguished from the world for a purpose. And that's to influence the world for good. With the gospel. Gospel deeds, gospel truth. Not to become one like the world, but to influence it for good. On wherever you are, your job, where you buy grocery, where you live. Are you influencing it for good? Or are you just jumping in line with them? They see no difference in you. Well, you just like me, man. What's different about you? You worship what I worship? You do what I do? What's different? Where is Christ in you? Jesus says, I ask that you not take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. You see, we're not called to live in isolation. Because you can take that verse and, and, and make it mean that. Well, but that means I've got to be isolated from the world. I've got to go create my own little Christian society where I have no contact with non-believers. I've got to surround my life like that. No. That's not what he's telling us to do. That's not what he's calling us to do. That's not what he's pointing us to do. He's pointing you not to be polluted by worldliness as you live in the world. That's what he's asking the Father to do. Don't let them be polluted by it. But instead, let them 
shine their light in this dark world. That's it. Let our light shine. Let it shine so they can see Christ in us. And so, being of the world, being in the world, but not of the world. And so this means that, 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 that the, our faith sets the agenda for everything that we do. Everything that we do. You are a disciple of God's kingdom now. Sons and daughters of the kingdom of heaven. No longer do we value and love the things the world loves and values. Everything about us is different. And because of that, you will be hated upon. You will be misunderstood. Sometimes you won't be accepted. And that just goes with the course. It just goes with it. You are going against the current of the world. But you know what? When you a current, you know what a current does when you're in the water in the beach, it try to push you to go along with the flow. The world will try to push you to go along with the flow. It will. And you know what? It's easy to just go with the flow. It's easy to compromise sometimes. So you have to petition the Father to give you strength. That's what Jesus asked. Keep them from the evil one. Keep them from evil. Preserve them to stand firm against all the current things that are going to go a push against their life. Father, give them strength to push it away. Don't take them out of the battle, but give them power in the battle. He ain't going to take you out of the battle until you cross over the glory. But until then, you're in it. You're either going against it or are you going with it? Where are we? Where are we? Where am I? Sometimes I feel like I'm going with it. And you know if you are, get what you can do. Repent. You got to beat yourself up. Repent and ask the Spirit to help you to fight against the things that you struggle with. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a force field. Sometimes I wish it was. A force field around me that protected me from suffering and hardships and disappointment and sickness and death. But the gospel never promises us that. It is not a force field. I like to think about the, the, the gospel as an antibiotic. That when the world does get the best of me, gospel is there to heal me. Always. Because there are going to be times when it get where it gets you. There's going to be times when you're wounded, times when your heart is broken, times when you suffer great loss. What you need to do? The gospel. Ask the Spirit to minister to your soul. To heal you from the broken. To heal you from the difficult times. They will come. And we just buried two family members back to back to back two weekends ago. And that was hard. But you know what? The gospel can heal. We'll heal our family from that. And he will, the gospel will do the same for you. So you go and ask the Spirit to do in your soul and heart what you can't do in yourself. Your identity is in Jesus. His joy and also living for Him in the fallen world. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that, that Jesus always thinking about his people. 
that he knows, Lord, what we're going to go through in this life. And he prays for our protection. And I pray that, that that's, this word would encourage us to press on. To press on. I pray for the struggles and the difficulties and that all of us may be going through. Help every, all of us to know that, Lord, you will bring us through. It might not be how we think it's going to be, but you will bring us out of it. You will see us through it. Help us not to lose hope. Help us not to become hopeless. Help us to stand firm on the, on the promises in your word. I pray you give us a peace of knowing that you care for You didn't promise an easy life. You didn't promise heaven on earth. But you have promised to never forsake us. And that's what we hold on to. That our God is there in the midst of the struggle. I pray that your joy will be in us. I pray as we go against the current of the world, your spirit would be the wind beneath our wings pushing us forward. And when we do fall down and get caught up in worldliness, that he will convict us, we will repent and move on. Trusting that you will never forsake us. And I pray for all of us, our families, our kids, that you be with us, sustaining us, and reminding us of your constant goodness. Christ, in my prayer. Will you please stand as we close out our service?